Hey there, I'm Andrew Yeager, and this is WBHM Politics. What a year. In 2017, it seemed Alabama politics was on overdrive. We got a new governor after the previous one was forced to resign in the fallout of an alleged affair. Birmingham got a new mayor, representing a generational change in the Magic City. And of course, Alabama voters narrowly selected a Democrat to represent them in the U.S. Senate. The first time that's happened in 25 years. It's a lot to talk about as we look back on 2017. And helping us out is WBHM's local government reporter, Cheryl Wheeler-Stewart. Cheryl, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Also, Barnett Wright, executive editor of the Birmingham Times. Barnett, good to have you here. Good to be here. Thank you. And John Archibald. He's a columnist with the Alabama Media Group. John, thanks for coming by. Thanks for asking. Well, the big political story right now, of course, is Alabama's special election for Senate. Democrat Doug Jones eked out a win over Republican Roy Moore earlier this month. It's a rare win for Democrats in a deeply red state. And, John, how significant is this? It's significant. Uh, It's hugely significant right now. How how significant it is for the future remains to be seen. But the fact that he was able to put together this coalition, uh, really, that uh, crossed racial lines and age lines and party lines and uh, and really— relied on bringing out black women to vote and really put him over the edge, I think was a really significant point. It gave hope for the Democrats in the future, although they're going to need more than hope. Well, Barnett, um, a huge part of that coalition was African-American voters, particularly African-American women. I think uh, exit polls showed 98 percent of African-American women went for Doug Jones. That's incredible for any demographic group. How did he reach so many voters um, in the African-American community? His ground game. Uh, he mobilized a lot of the local women in the community. He had Terry Sewell. The congresswoman. The congresswoman. He also had um, uh, Jefferson County Commissioner Sandra Little Brown. He had Wanlinda Gavan, a state representative. So the mobilization uh, across the state, they went out. They began working early. They had a tremendous in- impact, and then they created a hashtag, hashtag black women. And is your sense that they were voting for Doug Jones, or were they motivated against Roy Moore? I think it was a combination of both. The allegations against uh, Roy Moore really had a lot of people holding their nose, and I think you saw that cross racial lines. And also, uh, Doug Jones did a great job uh, of selling his point to the, to the African-American community. Cheryl, coming out of this race, the headline was about African-American voters, African-American women. Do you see them putting more pressure on Jones when he gets to Washington to say, hey, we got you there. We expect something in return. I think so. I think some of that has already started. African-American women say that they are concerned about a lot of issues from health care, education, opportunities for, for work. They're concerned about all those things. And they're going to be looking to, to Doug Jones to, to represent their voice and to uh, work with those who are of like mind in the Senate to get something done for Alabama. Uh, John, What kind of pressure is Doug Jones going to be under, given that he is a very red state, uh, but a Democrat? He's under huge pressure uh, because he's entering office, running for office. He has no choice. He has to run again in 2020. It's a short race. Uh, Even people on his staff early on said he he can win this, but it's doubtful that he can win re-election. It's going to be hard for him to catch magic in that bottle again. But, uh, you know, and he's gotten off to a not so great of a start uh, with a lot of his supporters in terms of, Uh, appeasing Trump and saying he shouldn't resign because of the women. And uh, given the fact that so many women really came out and made him a United States senator, a lot of them are looking right at least they're telling me, hey, what are you doing? We put you there. We can take you out. And uh, I think there's some disappointment with his first statements. 
And one of the things, keep in mind, the next time he runs, he will not be running against a candidate as flawed as Roy Moore. Right. If you have a, a Mo Brooks or somebody uh, uh, similar to that, they're not going to have that kind of baggage. So those 22,000 write-in votes will not be there the next time. With the idea that perhaps there's a little bit of, um, I don't want to say buyer's remorse in the kind of Democratic voters, but just the idea that uh, perhaps this guy won't be the the advocate that we had hoped for. Um, Cheryl, do you see a path that he can walk to appease voters in Alabama that are generally conservative, but also keep those folks that might want to hardline on Trump? Um, can he keep both sides happy? He's going to have a difficult time either way you go. You know, if, if he goes too far across the aisle to to try to uh, compromise with others, he's going to he, he's going to you know, find some, some difficulty. If he goes to the other side and becomes just a hardliner Democrat on all issues, those moderate Republicans, those who held their nose and voted for him, although they typically don't vote Democrat, they're going to give him grief too. He has a difficult road ahead no matter how you slice it. Which means he should be more concerned with doing what he thinks needs to be done in Washington than he should be in getting reelected because chances of him being reelected are really slim. So he should make the best out of every moment rather than to walk that line as delicately as he's trying to walk. Do you see it as a little bit of freedom? I would see it as incredibly freeing. If you, you know, if, if you do what you think needs to be done without care for winning again, then it's all gravy. And who knows, you might actually make some people happy. And then, and then remember he beat with, a lot of people saw it as a flawed, terrible candidate. Yeah, there can be no worse candidate than Roy Moore. <laughs> right. Guaranteed, he will not face a candidate worse than Roy Moore unless Roy Moore comes back and does something worse. And that's an important point to make. What do you see the future of Roy Moore being? Is he just done? No, Roy Moore is not done. Roy Moore will come back again. He believes that it is his duty to represent his views at a higher level of government He's not going anywhere. He is still rebuilding. He's continuing to run and keep his name out there for a reason. And it's not just politics for Roy Moore. I mean, he'll build. I mean, he's building his his brand nationally yeah. that he has built here uh, and nationally uh, for the last twenty five years. And I think that continues when he's uh, repudiated, as the courts have done in the past, and as the people here did last week. He's in his element, and he will sell his position. I mean, I don't mean sell, he will go out and, and put forth his views uh, across the country. The and brand remember, will continue to grow. He will continue. And not only did the, did the voters in Alabama repudiate him last week, they voted against him several times before. He's run for elected office and he hasn't won. Other than Other on than the, the Alabama Supreme Court. Correct. right? Well, also this year, uh, we had a change in the governor's office. Kay Ivey became governor after former Governor Robert Bentley resigned. This was back in April. Bentley faced impeachment and allegations he abused the power of his office in the fallout of an alleged affair with a top aide. Uh, and Barnett, we've had eight months or so of Governor Kay Ivey. How would you assess what she's done so far? Uh, recent missteps. She, she endorsed uh, Roy Moore. After saying that about the, the women, she, she felt disappointed that the way he treated women. And then she comes out to endorse his way more, and he loses. When you make those kind of apparent political expedient decisions, I think it hurts with voters. I just don't think she came across well uh, in this uh, very tense election between Doug Jones and Roy Moore. Can we say that we have an idea yet, John, of 
what a Governor Ivy stands for, what kind of administration she leads? Well, eight months in, we're still in that riding the ship of state sort of honeymoon of hers in which she's gotten a pass on a lot of things. I think Barnett's absolutely right. I hate to say that, but I think Barnett's <laughs> absolutely right that she's kind of made some missteps because people are going to get tired mm-hmm. of riding the ship of state. At some point, you know, you got to do a little bit more than say that. It's not just that she's stuck by Roy Moore. Almost all the Republicans in the state, other than Richard Shelby mm-hmm. and Dick Brubaker and a couple of others, stuck by him. It's that she said she had no reason to not to believe the women and in the same breath said she'd supported Roy Moore, which is a little bit ha- hard to handle. Uh, you know, she's she seems to be playing it a little bit too safe, and um, she's going to be more vulnerable, I think, from Republican challengers and uh, the coming gubernatorial race than maybe we thought earlier. I think the Republican field is going to be crowded in that primary. But also, you got to remember, the Democrats are feeling the fuel from the from the Doug Jones win. So they are vowing to put forth a strong field of Democratic candidates. Is there a chance that we may see a Democratic governor following the 2018 election? Slim. But isn't Walt Maddox from Tuscaloosa? Walt Maddox from Tuscaloosa is running. Uh, Sue Bell Cobb, former chief justice of the uh, the Alabama Supreme Court. Um, I'm going to forget one other one. Uh, former state representative from um, Coleman County. Field. Yeah, but but let, let's look at that. You know, Sue Bell Cobb was the was she the last Democrat elected? statewide in Alabama? She and Lucy Baxley were right at the same time. I can't remember. One was one year and one was the next. But, right. of course, she was she was the last chief justice of the Supreme Court, the last statewide official in a position of prominence, and she stepped away, right. which left bad taste in a lot of Democrats' mouths because, I mean, you're the, you're the last person standing and you walk away. Uh, it's problematic. You know, the, the question with the Democratic Party, though, is, you know, is the party structure intact? Can Joe Reed and Nancy Worley continue uh, to stand in the way of the Democratic Party, in my view? Or are these various upstart young, not upstart, but various young Republican, I mean, young Democratic groups, the young Democrats and then another Alabama, whatever, there's two different groups that are kind of competing. Do they successfully wage a coup of the state Democratic Party? And I think they're going to try. Well, we've been talking, looking ahead to the elections in 2018. Before we leave uh, KIV and Bentley, I, I wonder, did this whole mess back in the spring with Bentley resigning in this scandal, um, did that hurt the Republican Party, Cheryl? Did, did that have lasting effects? Oh, yes. Yes, Alabama will still be a red state, but that's a bruise that's going to be difficult for them to overcome. I mean, when you look Back at what has transpired in the state since, you know, those allegations and the resignation and, you know, just everything that just continued to drag on and on and on for those people who are probably on the mar- on the line. You know, they're not really strong Republicans, but they're not totally against the Democrats and the Republicans have taken some missteps. How do I deal with that as a voter? I don't know. It, it it could it could hurt them. It could tarnish their brand. Yeah. I also think it's interesting when we look at this Bentley uh, history and everything else, I think it's interesting to see how everything is related. I mean, we can go back beyond Bentley to Mike Hubbard. Mike Hubbard case, uh, Speaker of the House, who was convicted of mm-hmm. ethics charges uh, during his case, is really when the 
Bentley Rebecca Mason relationship came out because of because of questions about Bentley testifying in the Mike Hubbard case. It um, kind of blew up within the internal circle. So ben- Hubbard led to Bentley, led to the Rebecca Mason thing, led to the resignation, led to the appointment of Luther Strange as senator, which backfired spectacularly and paved the way for Roy Moore to be in the Senate race, which led to where we are now. So, I mean, all of this is one really complex and and colorful thread that has woven through Alabama in the last couple of years. And uh, let's just hope it's over. Barnett, can you say that there's any sort of legacy to Governor Bentley? I mean, what what is his legacy? Love Gov. Um, unfortunately, he had to resign under scandal. And that's, this is what people remember, right? I mean, you can do 100 good things. Not saying that Governor Bentley had 100 good things, okay? And if I can come up with three, that would probably be a, a stretch. But people always remember the negatives, and he had a huge negative. And unfortunately, he had an opportunity to have a positive impact on the state. And from beginning until he resigned, in my opinion, he's probably one of the most disastrous governors we had here recently. The other big story this year, particularly for us here in Birmingham, uh, Birmingham voters put a new face in the mayor's office as Randall Woodfin defeated incumbent William Bell. Uh, Woodfin is 36. He rode into the mayor's office on a wave of younger voters and with a message that Birmingham's prosperity needs to be felt in all neighborhoods, not just the city center. And Cheryl, what have we seen from Woodfin these first few weeks of office? He has made some changes. You know, he he still is putting his his cabinet in place, key leaders. Uh, he has a new director of community development. He put in place a communications team. He has an inner circle of um, uh, chief of operations, chief of staff. All, those are in place. He is still studying everything. Now, one, one thing that he did have an opportunity to do this time is because is uh, – the city council had not passed a budget because the previous mayor and the council had been at odds over certain things. Well, you know, they recently passed a budget, and in that budget, uh, there were some shifts in funds. He reduced the amount spent on staff for the mayor's office by about six hundred thousand uh, dollars. He so he eliminated some positions. Um, he also cut some funding. He cut some funding for the Birmingham Construction Industry Authority, which uh, was headed by the previous mayor's brother. He uh, reduced the budget for the Urban League by, well, some the budget was reduced. I'm not saying that Mr. Woodfin did this, but this new budget reduces the budget for the Urban League to by $95,000. So he's making some changes in the name of efficiency. We'll see what happens, but he had promised to be a good steward of the, do- of the dollars of the city and to also be transparent. Yeah, Barnett, we've talked about the relationship between the mayor's office and the council. It was very fractured under Mayor Bell. We have new folks in the council. We have a new mayor in office. Any indication yet about how that relationship is developing? It seems to be working pretty well, to Cheryl's point. Uh, the budget that was recently passed was done at a finance committee meeting with the mayor there. They hashed out their differences. The mayor had input. He sat through, through the meeting. They came back the next day. They voted on it, and it, was, it passed. So the sign that the mayor is attending the uh, budget and finance committee meetings headed by uh, Councilor Valerie Abbott, and the mayor has input, that they're working together, they can pass the budget, there was no friction, that's a good sign, you know, at least at the beginning. Uh, the, the key part about Birmingham is how long can this go on? I, hate to, I don't want to be pessimistic, but 
you sometimes you have to hold your breath. John, have these last few weeks felt different with uh, a Mayor Woodfin than they did with Mayor Bell? Well, they've certainly been different, but there, there's still a lot that remains to be seen. I mean, he talked uh, a lot about. I mean, he says where, when I say he, I mean Mayor Woodfin uh, says the right things almost all the time. That is, transparency is going to make things more visible. It's going to let pe the people see the budget, and we're going to know how things are, how money is spent. He doesn't follow the tradition that has always been the case in Birmingham politics of count to five being the number one thing a mayor has to do, which means make sure you have five votes on the council, but insists that he will talk to and welcome all the council members to discuss things with them. And all of these are great things. Uh, I hope they come to pass. The question for me becomes, how do you tell all the neighborhoods that you're going to look out for them? Uh, how are you going to you know, increase safety in the city? How are you going to continue to pave roads all the while you're cutting the you know, money out of the budget? You're ultimately saying you're going to do more with less, and that uh, we've heard that before, and it rarely comes to pass. But uh, you know, it can't be uh, overstated how important it is that you know, the mayor didn't just get uh, replaced, but I mean, uh, the president of the city council lost, and some of the major forces that have been at each other's throats for the last few years uh, are gone. It's a clean, not a clean sweep, but essentially it is a whole new mayor and council. And that's allows both sides to start fresh and to work with each other. Going back to what Barnett said, the question is, how long does this last? Typically, uh, with city government, there will be a honeymoon period. The honeymoon always ends at some point. You know, there have been times where it really didn't get rough until about a year before the next election cycle starts. So, you know, three years from now, as people decide whether they will run for council again or seek a higher office like the mayor's office, we typically see folks stirring up more controversy and speaking out. Woodfin ran so much on this image of change. Uh, Barnett, what is your sense about how long folks in the neighborhoods will give him before they expect results, something tangible that they can say, aha, he's delivering for me. It's difficult to say, but one of his first major initiatives, and I won't say it was a photo op, but he knocked down an abandoned structure. I mean, he had the cameras out there. He was there. Um, it's difficult to say how long. Now, some people waited two terms for, for previous Mayor William Bell to come out there and get things done. Um, the only person I can think of recently who was able to get out there was Larry Lankford when he had his Let's Do Something campaign. He went out there, and we all know how, how, how Mayor Lankford you know, operates. I think there will be a honeymoon period. However, I think there's still some forces in the communities who oppose Mayor Woodfin. And if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, you can best believe you will hear from them. I want to wrap up with this question. Um, what Alabama political story do you feel didn't get enough attention this year? And then what will you be watching in 2018? And Barnett, you know, what are those two for you? Well, you know, I can't, I, I don't, I don't really know um, uh, what did not get attention. It's hard for me to say, but here's, here's what, uh, something that needs to be watched. And I think in 18 and what we haven't talked about is the Birmingham board of education. You know, there's basically a new board. There's a new superintendent. And that's the one area I think that's interconnected to a lot of what happens in our community, education. 
And let's see what this new board does. Let's see what the new superintendent does. I mean, she's working very, very, very hard in order to reach out to the communities. Because, you know, when you, when you have good education, it reduces your violence. It has, a, it has a long-term domino effect in the community. So what, what I'll be watching, I'll be watching the Birmingham Board of Education. Cheryl, uh, what did you see this year? What are you watching next year? This year, I think we, we, we've talked a lot about what, what we've seen this year. Moving ahead into 2018, I've made a list of many of the promises of those who are elected or re-elected to council, as well as the new mayor. And so I've got a check sheet, and I'm going to be looking to see how often those promises are addressed, if they are met, and also doing a double check on transparency. The mayor has told us that information will be available. So far, that has been the case. If we make a request, the records are sent. Uh, so they've been very good in doing that. I hope it continues. That's what, we'll, that's what I'll be watching. And John, anything this year you think didn't get enough attention? And what well, you're yeah, watching for next year? It's almost hard for me to say it didn't get enough attention. But I, I think of Alabama, and we talked about the power of women in the, in the, in the Doug Jones race, uh, the Roy Moore race. And, but you can talk about the Me Too movement, which has been so dramatic across the country and the world. And I do think that despite the Roy Moore allegations here it has sort of gotten short shrift in this state clearly there are a lot of women who have suffered a, a, a lot of people frankly who have suffered from harassment and sexual assault and all of those things which we've really developed an awareness of but i think going forward to next year that will continue and, and we're talking about a state where women are seizing power both politically and otherwise we have a woman governor we have others running for high offices and we have uh people who are ready to kind of point some fingers at other people and there may be some more comeuppance for them that's john archibald he's a columnist of the alabama media group john thanks for coming by thank you also, we've been speaking with Barnett Wright, executive editor of the Birmingham Times. Barnett, good to have you here. Enjoyed it. Thank you. And Cheryl Wheeler-Stewart, local government reporter here at WBHM. Uh, Cheryl, always a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this edition of WBHM Politics. The show was produced by Gigi Duban, Cheryl Wheeler-Stewart, and myself. Our theme song is by local Birmingham guitarist Eric Essex and is called Find Your Way. Let us know what you think. Send us a message through the WBHM Facebook page or tweet at us. We're at WBHM, or you can use the hashtag WBHM Politics. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review. It really helps us out. I'm Andrew Yeager. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next year.